Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is about a beautiful new film called The Panola Project. And I'm talking with Rachel DeCruz and Jeremy Levine about this lovely new film. It's touching, it's fun, it's quite a comedy in its own right. And it's rooted in community and relationships. And it's about a woman who basically rolls up her sleeves in a and it is basic in some respects, and yet it's heroic in so many others. She rolls up her sleeves and she steps in in a, in a literal and a metaphoric way and, and addresses some serious issues in her uh, community of Panola, Alabama. You're going to love this film. Uh, it's about Dorothy Oliver, and she really is a hero. I'm not just saying that for so many reasons. This is a film about, about, about community. It's about stepping in and stepping up. It's about giving back and about incremental change. It's, it's, it's about uh, relationships and, and about advocacy and, and, and kind of getting angry, but getting angry with a smile permanently placed on your face. This is about um, showing solidarity uh, in your community and taking leadership maybe when other people aren't leading around you. It's about policy making. It's about oppression. Uh, we, we talk about racism and we talk about those systemic issues that are getting in the way for so many people uh, in the U.S. and Canada and, and around the world. We talk about power dynamics and about um, what this thing called organizing is really all about as well. So I know you're going to enjoy the interview with Rachel and Jeremy. I know you're going to love the film. It's a partnership uh, with quite a few different people involved, but you can find a, an article about it online uh, for, with um, uh, at The New Yorker about Dorothy and her work. Uh, but it was a partnership with The New Yorker, and uh, it, this film was playing at Sundance recently. So check it out. Uh, look uh, into the link uh, on the site, and I know you're not going to be disappointed. Don't forget David Peck Live for more information about my uh, writing and speaking and, and the work that I'm doing uh, with a face-to-face. You can find that out there. You can order a copy of Real Changes Incremental. I'd love that. But more importantly, I'd love for you to leave a review uh, on face-to-face if you're enjoying what I'm doing here and uh, sign up wherever you listen uh, to podcasts. Please subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe there, give us a thumbs up and please, if you can, leave us a review. But for the time being, don't touch that dial and um, coming uh, right up and uh, coming soon to a digital theater near you, Rachel DeCruz and Jeremy, Le- Jeremy Levine talking about their beautiful new film, The Panola Project. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by two very special guests here with us today. Just absolutely thrilled to have Rachel DeCruz and Jeremy uh, Levine here to talk about uh, their new film, The Panola Project. Uh, thank you both for joining me today. We are to be so here. happy and excited to be here. Yeah. So thanks again for such a such a beautiful film. Um, I think my first question is why only 16 minutes? <laughs> Great question. You know, I, it's funny to look back. I mean, for us, the film's always been about more than just the pandemic. But, uh, sure. you know, we were trying to finish it up and it was 
this, it was last summer and we were all under this like beautiful collective delusion that we were out of this thing. I miss those days. Uh, and so we were like, oh my God, we gotta, we gotta get this film out there quickly. And, and I think, you know, I've, I've mostly made features, but the, the whole time it was like, we need to, this is a film that needs to come out now. Dorothy's story needs to come out now. And so uh, the short format made sense for being able to kind of do a quicker turnaround, but, but I guess it's good if you're left wanting more. I mean, you can never get enough Dorothy, I, I think. Well, just the closing credit scene alone makes you want more. I mean, come on. I hope that's enough for people to step in and want to see this film, which we need to talk about, by the way. Rachel, t- t- tell me a little bit about, about um, arriving at the convenience store and, and why that mattered so much. And, and I just, I so love that your film is rooted in relationship. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the beautiful things about Dorothy and kind of what she's doing in Panola, Alabama, is that she has been using her convenience store, which she runs out of a mobile home as a hub, right? It's like one of the few places in the community that folks can kind of come together. She, throughout the entirety of the pandemic, has been sharing information with folks. She's been giving people masks as she has them. Um, She's been helping people get signed up to take the vaccine. Uh, She's been calling people. It's been kind of like ground zero for all of the work that she's been doing out in the community. And, you know, I think there's something so beautiful about the tight-knit nature of Panola, the way that the relationships all feel like family, right? The way that Dorothy engages with her neighbors is very much like you'd imagine engaging with family members. There's a lot of deep love and care and respect there. And, you know, just the the kind of rural nature of Panola, I think having the, the vaccine hub out of her store really just feels like symbolic of kind of some of the challenges that the broader community is facing around access to resources and access to information. The, Jeremy, I think the establishing shots, I mean, these questions were for both of you, by the way, and just interrupt me at any time, step in whenever, but the it's quite an interesting, unique convenience store. And I think I've, I've driven through parts of Canada and the States and I've, I've visited convenience stores like that. You know, the, the shelves are, are not bare, but they're, they're looking like they're in need of some attention. (laughs) Was that a, was that a metaphor for you right out of the gate with the film to say, here's really what we're struggling with, not only in the, in the US, but maybe maybe we could actually say the West, or maybe maybe this is a global problem about, about systems and structure. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a great question. I think overall, right, this is, for us, this film is, is both about kind of the amazing work that, that, you know, a woman like Dorothy is doing in her community. And it's also about, why the hell does Dorothy have to do all of this work, right? right. And, and we see, um, you know, time and time again, uh, our government fails um, rural communities, rural Black communities, and, and, you know, it's left to folks like Dorothy and, and Miss Jackson in the film, who's the, the county commissioner, to kind of pick up the pieces, right? Like they are shouldering the burden of our um, kind of systemic problems. And so it's both, it's both really, you know, motivational and hopeful and incredible to see that work. And it's simultaneously like maddening, right? That, that somebody like Dorothy has to um, pick up the pieces and find a way to get 
her entire community of 350 people vaccinated because, you know, the hospital, the closest hospital is 40 miles away and there's, you know, no public transportation and a lot of people don't have cars. And so there's, right, there's these real structural issues that are the result of, you know, decades of, of disinvestment from communities like hers. I'd love to know what what you think either of you think that uh, motivates Dorothy. I mean, she's just she's brilliant. I I'm I'm looking forward to seeing an interview or two with her. She just I mean her her joy and her passion and her sense of humor just sort of reaches out and grabs you. You know, um you must have been struck with that when you first met her. Uh did you find it just warm, inviting and yes, we absolutely have to make a film about this person and what she's up to. Yeah, it felt pretty immediate from kind of the moment we were in conversation with her, just how special and amazing she is. And I think you can feel it in the film from that kind of opening scene, right? There's just, there's something about her that you can't fully describe in words, but that you can feel pretty viscerally when you're interacting with her or watching her. And, you know, I think that there's, I just feel like so much of what Dorothy does is rooted in love for her Mm. community. She just deeply, deeply cares about everybody that's in Panola. She wants everybody to have the best possible life and access to all of the things that they need to kind of be able to be successful. And I, you know, through the film, you get to watch her share a bit more about her personal story and what brought her to Panola and some challenges with kind of access to um, healthcare. And I, I would just encourage people to watch the film to hear that directly from her, the kind of personal nature that inspires her. But she is one of the more dedicated people I've ever seen. It's just like she she doesn't stop. She's always working. She's always ready to go. Um, she in many ways really helped produce this film too. You know what I mean? She was she was like ahead of Jeremy and I the whole time, just kind of doing what she needed to do to put the pieces in place to make it um, as easy as possible for us to be able to document this story. So she's really just a truly remarkable human. Dor- Dor- Dorothy Oliver is the call to action. You know, <laughs> like, like you don't say no to Dorothy. Per, per, permanent <laughs> sleeves permanently rolled up, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's remarkable, um, and and you know it's ironic that we don't get to. I don't I don't think we see her smile in the film because of the mask. Deeply ironic, and yet so sort of beautiful in its own way. Because I can I can feel it, and maybe that's actually a stronger emotive response. I don't know, Jeremy. Does that make sense? It, it's it a hundred percent makes sense. It's so interesting to be like, oh, you can't see her smile because because I feel like you watch the film and she's smiling almost the entire time, and you <laughs> pretty feel much, that, pretty much right? the whole time. Like, yeah, like you, it, it just you're like, of course she's smiling, but but yeah, you can't actually. It's covered by a mask, and you get you can kind of you know get a sense of like the way a mask is moving, maybe. But one thing that was kind of remarkable, um, we, we ended up actually reshooting some of her interview uh, later in the summer when numbers were going down and we were outside and she was a little more comfortable um, doing it without a mask. And we were, we kept being like, this is a problem, right? Like people need to see her whole face. Uh, like, how do you make a film without anybody, without people ever getting to see your protagonist's face? That's crazy. Uh, and we ended up not using the interview with her maskless because there was something about the way that I think we compensate with our facial expressions by making things so much bigger that that like 
it was just in kind of incredible. It's incredible in the film to me, I think, to see the way her eyes are saying so much when we sure. can't see the, you know, the bottom half of her face, but it's actually more expressive, I think, than, than if she, uh, you know, we were living in a time where we were wandering around without masks. So, so yeah, we kept, we kept all of the, the masks. But so, I'm so glad you, it's so interesting to find out the sort of, you know, authorial intention, right? What are those intentional decisions that are made? What, what actually happens in the editing suite, et cetera. And I, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I, I do feel like, you know, and by the way, I didn't congratulate you guys. Congratulations. What a beautiful film. At Sundance, you. you're going to have to tell me about the New Yorker and why they're involved and where people are going to be able to see it as well. But I, as crazy as this sounds, I felt like I kind of knew Dorothy by the end. We've got such a short film, but her humor, her, her, her human, her humanness, I guess that's kind of awkward was just so palpable in so many respects. And, and, and the, the I mean, I guess most uh, um, folks in Alabama are wearing short sleeves, but if she had a long sleeve shirt, like I said, permanently rolled up. I mean, for me, this <laughs> film is so layered because it's about so much more than the pandemic. It's about volunteerism. It's about stepping in. It's about love and, 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 and taking risks. It's yeah. Anyway, can you tell I love the film? <laughs> uh, I'm glad, glad that you, you love the film and love, love Dorothy as much as, as we do. But yeah, I mean, I think it's so good to hear that that comes across because it was, you know, a feeling that hit us immediately upon meeting Dorothy, right? We, uh, you know, it started about a year ago and, you know, we're depressed and, and reading about the news and, and just like sad about the state of the world and, and heard about what she was doing. We drove out to meet her. And I mean, that, that initial conversation was just like, truly, like it gave me life, right? Like That's it cool. was, it was a bleak winter, a bleak year, bleak however many years. And then, you know, just, just being in a room with her just lifts your spirits. I get, I get this. Yeah, go ahead, Rachel. No, I was just going to say, I think so much of um, what I, I think is powerful about the film, too, is just that we're like we're kind of on this journey alongside Dorothy in real time. You know what I mean? And so we're going through the ups and downs with her, like the will he show up? Like, are they going to say yes? Um, and I just think there's something so beautiful about the the fact that we were able to like, you know, even for us as filmmakers to like accompany her on that journey to be able to document it in this way. Um, I just think about how sad it would have been um, if we weren't able to capture this story in this particular moment in time. You know, Rachel, that makes me think, do you think there are these, I guess you can go many ways uh, on a story like this. You can go sort of the cynical, you can go more the uh, the idealistic. Do you think there are hundreds, dozens, thousands of people around the world who are in the middle of it right now, like Dorothy, who are reaching out to their communities, right? Who, And that's the beautiful, hopeful piece of this, it seems to me. It's so inspirational on so many levels. But I wonder, you know, the comment on, uh, what do they call that? Uns unsung heroes? Is that the phrase? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think, you know, Dorothy is one of a kind. Let's just be very clear about that. <laughs> like she is just a truly, truly spectacular and special human. And I think there are ways that folks are stepping up in their communities each and every day to do variations of this kind of work. And one of the things that's really important for Jeremy and I, in addition to sharing Dorothy's story, we're also trying to kind of elevate some of the structural barriers that rural and in particular rural Black communities are facing across the country. And imagine what it would look like if we were actually able to invest resources in those local leaders so that Dorothy didn't have to do it out of the goodness of her heart, but she actually had um, some, some money to do that work. I think it would just be incredible what we'd be able to unleash kind of across the country and across the world. Yeah, there's so much potential in, in kind of in community and community leaders. And, and yeah, there might not be another like exact Dorothy superhuman, um, but, but there are there are these unsung heroes all across the country and the world. I mean, I know Dorothy's heard from a lot of people. Um, they send her postcards and somehow found it. We could never find her number before we started. That's why we just drove out. But other people are finding her number and calling her and thanking her. And, and you know, I, I, I've been hearing from some folks too. You know, somebody was saying my mother grew up in, or I grew up in rural Virginia and my like, 75 year old mother is doing the work that Dorothy's doing. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's certainly not just Dorothy and the way that her story can kind of stand in to celebrate the, the incredible work that so many people are doing um, is, is something that's, that's been really special for us. I think it's a, a real shout out and that almost sounds sort of social media like like too trite almost but it's a real shout out to me and a, and a, a salute sorry I'm going militaristic there but anyway um, uh, to 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 volunteers to people that are doing the hard work that you don't generally see unless you are a part of a community-based organization. And I think that's a beautiful, brilliant thing. And that's just one uh, layer layer to this film, the kindness and the gentleness and the generosity that comes out in, in her story and the way you've chosen to told, tell it is, is just so, so beautiful and, and remarkable. Uh, Dorothy said, um, I think the line was uh, uh, when she was trying to convince the young man who was barbecuing that he really needed to reconsider his take on on the shot. I thought I think the quote was I thought I'd made his mind up for him. <laughs> Which is the best, right? Like everyone knows Dorothy in this community. That would be my guess. And I think that's also a challenge to us, right? To, to step in and to actually embrace our neighbors. Um, is that a comment on her unwillingness to, I don't know, take no for an answer, Rachel, do you think? <laughs> Dorothy is nothing if not persistent. I mean, she, it was beautiful to watch, like, and there's just such a, um, I don't know the right word, but there's such a grace about her persistence too, right? Sometimes it's like when people are being persistent, you're like, okay, that okay, is There's enough. a beautiful like, title, Persistent Grace. Okay, Ooh. that's an essay somebody mm -hmm. needs to write. I'm, in, I'm into it. Yeah, there was just something so natural and organic and beautiful about the way she kind of um, walked that line for people, like continuing to push, but also like holding their hand while she pushed, you know what I mean? Um, in, so that she didn't push them too far away. And I think we saw her do that <laughs> just more times than we can count, um, and certainly more times than we were able to incorporate into the film. Yeah, I, I would add that, you know, we we see her, con, con, the spoiler alert, I suppose, but like she she's able to get uh, one of the, the 
uh, men in the community in the film, we see it happen. Like she moves this man from, from hesitation to, uh, to signing up to get the vaccine. Um, and then there was, there was somebody else that we filmed with who was a little more resistant. I mean, this was actually pretty rare in, in going around. It was way more about people just, you know, it was about the structural barriers. It was about, I can't get 40 miles. I, I can't take time off from work. It was those kinds of things that, that people needed to overcome and some questions and, and handholding. But, you know, there was somebody who was more down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole and even there, right? Like it, it was not the kind of confrontation that I was expecting, right? I was expecting people because of what we see in the media and on social media and what I want to do when I hear somebody kind of saying things that just sound, sound crazy to me, right? Like I'm expecting people to be screaming at each other and, and you know, uh, you know, just trying to, by sheer force of will, convince them that that I am right and you're wrong, and that's not right. There was they clearly were not um, agreeing on things, but they they also very clearly loved and cared for each other. Mm. And it was such a different kind of a conversation because of that. And we weren't able to uh, like be there for Dorothy's. Uh, like it took months, it took months and months and months. And we had finished the film and he still hadn't gotten the shot. And uh, now he has, right? Like Dorothy just doesn't give up, <laughs> right? Like it, it, it's just amazing to see. Cause I think we assume I, rightfully it's easier to get those people who are somewhere in that like hesitant middle grounds where they have questions, they're not sure. And, and, you know, Dorothy was very, very quickly able to get them on board, like we see in the film. But even folks who who are a little further on the, you know, vaccine resistant, I think is the word that we, we tend to use like that. That doesn't mean that it's actually hopeless. Right. If, if you're willing and able to put that time in and and show up again with love and care and respect, like like it's a, it's amazing like she got this man who said i'll never get the shot to get a shot yeah that's amazing i feel like we should create a little project caller and say there's five people in her community that are that are unwilling still that have just entered and see how long it takes her before she was <laughs> be hilarious um it's, you know it's interesting how did how did it get i don't know maybe maybe this is a little beyond the scope but rachel how did it get so political how did it get so toxic Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And, and, and I have an experience or two in my own life uh, with, with, with uh, some folks who just, yeah, it's it, it, toxic, I think, is, is the word, you know? And, and I'm really, it's the antithesis of Dorothy and her approach right. in, 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 in this film, but also in her community, it seems. Yeah. Um, 
I wish I knew why we were in the moment we're in, right? I I do think it's been clear, like the issue of vaccination and the issue of the pandemic has been politicized, right, by elected officials. And Mm -hmm. so they've kind of set the tone for for how the conversation is unfolding across the country. And I think, you know, one of the, I'm a racial justice organizer, have done a lot of work kind of understanding how do we have conversations about race in ways that are kind of productive and help expand people's understanding and also help move us towards a different kind of future. And I think- Avoid avoid shouting matches, basically. Like- Yeah, it's like, it's very simple stuff. It's like you meet people where they're at. You don't walk in yelling at somebody, shaming somebody, telling somebody that you're right and they're wrong. Like that's, that's the way to shut down a conversation. Right. But so how do we, and it's rooted in relationships, right? We have to, all of us, I think, have a role to play in kind of examining who are the folks in our lives that we might be able to have conversations with where we might not see eye to eye, but we can do it, like Jeremy said, in a way that's filled with love, in a way that's rooted in really wanting the best for that other person um, and help move all of us towards a more collective sense of unity, because I think we we need that in our country right now. We need that more than ever. And I think this pandemic offers an opportunity for us. I see our cat entering in the background. <laughs> um, this pandemic offers an opportunity for us to, to come together in those ways that we saw the people of Panola come together. And I also think it, it offers an opportunity, as we've kind of also seen, to create more fragmentation, more isolation, more people kind of camping down on their side and refusing to engage in a dialogue. But we need to find ways to talk to each other, or this is just never we're never going to move past where we're at right now. Yeah, we, there's 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 almost a, to some degree there's almost a lack of um, uh, uh, openness and a lack maybe a lack of grace to your comment about Dorothy's persistence, her graceful persistence, which I think is so wonderful to to reflect on, and not just academically or in a, as a thought experiment, but how does it impact what I do with my students or my family or my partner, my business, whatever the case might be. I think this is what I love so much about about uh, aspirational docs like this, right? They're just so uh, stories. They're just so, so hopeful. And, and, and yet we're in the middle of a pretty big mess. Yeah, I, I have made films that I think are, are more challenging. I think by nature or inclination or I don't know what, but like I'm drawn to, I've been drawn to films that are, hard hitting and depressing and like, and I just, when we were starting this project, I was like, I can't, I can't do that right Mm. now. Like this has been too hard uh, for too long. And I need, I need to find a project that's going to be the opposite of that. Um, And so, yeah, you know, this is, it's a film that is about a global pandemic that has caused so much heartache and, and hardship for everyone in the world. Uh, and it's, it's a film that's about, you know, disinvestment and, and, you know, racial inequality and structural issues. And yet I, you know, our, our hope for the film was all, like, this is going to be a film that's fun to watch that will lift you up, that will help move us forward. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, to be able to incorporate a, a dance sequence into a film that deals with all these heavy issues, right? Like that's, that's well, what it was all about. Jeremy, <laughs> Rachel, it's, it's so entertaining, like right from the opening shot, right? Uh, hang on a film about 
vaccinations, COVID, global pandemic. Hmm. Not really necessarily going to be a cheery pick me up, but holy cow, this is just this is this is all of that and the uh, yeah and 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 more. Um, this 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 idea of um, uh, of joy of 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 deep expressions of grace and relationship. How much? How much did that change after getting Jermaine uh, involved? The music, the music is just so, um, uh, again, so engaging on so many on so many levels, and really fits the tone and the dance sequence, of course, at, at the end of the film. I think we had a pretty strong idea of like the look and feel that we wanted to have as it related to the music. And that was, cool. it was very much inspired by Marvin Gaye's um, Trouble Man soundtrack. So that was a lot of what our temp music was throughout the film. And then Jermaine really, you know, like took broad direction and brought it to life in these like really exciting and creative and beautiful ways that I don't think Jeremy or I could have predicted. Um, and I'm just, the music is so beautiful throughout the film. Like I want to want to just like listen to it on its own, you know what I mean? Mm. And also have a dance party with it. It's just, um, I, he just did such an incredible job. There's something so singular to the universal, obviously, as you both uh, know only too well, I'm sure. Um, and I think, you know, I just was, Jeremy, as you were commenting on on the, 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 the community-like nature of this, you could probably translate this into pretty much any language currently maybe not even translate it and just have the soundtrack and it would, it would play. Does that, does that make sense? Like there's like, I guess maybe it connects to that question earlier about people around the world that are doing similar things, but aren't we all in this together, I guess, is maybe, maybe that's really the question that I'm, that I'm after here. Does that, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, I think, I think even if, yeah, if, if you were watching this in another country and, and you didn't speak the language, I think just by watching Dorothy and Miss Jackson's body language and, and hearing kind of the, the tone of her voice and the laughter and the, and the music, right? Like, I think you would get a sense of, of maybe not all the specifics of the story, but you would absolutely get a sense of kind of the, the power of this, this woman. Um, I don't know if that... That totally yeah, answers no. your question. Well, I think I think there is something universally appealing and aspirational about it. I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. That this this translates across across the board, right? This idea of stepping in and stepping up. I suppose, if that if that makes if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, totally. Um, I think I think the the hope is right. Like there are. I, I do want to be clear. Right, there are obviously very specific like situations that you know I, I'm, are unique to the United States and are unique to Alabama and rural Alabama um, but but of course there's also the universal and, and storytelling is all about finding um, connection points and find and bringing you into different um, worlds and and finding um, empathy and and uh yeah, just just building bridges, I think, is a, a yeah. beautiful thing that that film can do, and storytelling yeah. in general can do so well. Rachel, is is there anything specific to to the inequality, the systemic barriers in in a place like Alabama? I mean, we're we're pretty deep south, that that can apply anywhere in the U.S. and let's say North America. I was going to say the West, but may, maybe we could go that far. But I'd really be interested to hear about some of those insights. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we've seen, this is a pattern that we've seen throughout our country's history, right? The lack, the, and like, let me be clear. It's like, it's an, it's not by accident that a town like Panola ends up in the situation where they don't have infrastructure and they don't have access to a hospital that's nearby. It's like a series of government decisions over time, a series of policies um, that have structured the way that people are able to live their lives. And those decisions are structured around race. Um, so I just wanna be really clear about that, that um, we created the situation that we're in in our country. And we also have the opportunity if we so take it to create a different kind of like reality for folks. And I think that as we think about Biden's infrastructure bill and the huge opportunity that that presents in terms of building infrastructure in rural places across the country, we have to be really, really thoughtful and intentional with those resources that we're investing them in the places that have been intentionally left behind. And that we start there, we get the resources and the money into those communities. We leverage local leadership like Ms. Dorothy, like Ms. Jackson, who understand everything that's happening in Panola and can tell you like very quickly what will be a good use of resources versus what might make sense further down the road, right? So how do we leverage that local expertise? Yeah, how do we con context is everything, right? And, and the, yeah, the, the cultural exactly. specificity of that is is so important, right? And to, to, to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to keep tirading, but I think- I No, go now. ahead. Tirade's good. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I was just trying to like recap. It's like, Let's identify the local leaders who have relationships in their communities. Let's funnel resources through them. Let's make sure they're getting paid for their time and energy and like care that they're giving out to the world. And then let's also be really intentional with the policy decisions that we make that we are thinking about the ways that race has played into some of the disparities that we see in our country. Mm. Has anyone not liked the film? Has anyone, have you had any pushback? Speaking of inequality and confrontation and so on. Not directly. <laughs> I'm sure there are people that watched it and it, you know, it didn't resonate with them or they right. kind of, you know, I do think there's a way in which, um, you know, someone could watch that film and then walk away with a really different understanding, like, oh, like, look at Panola, there's no resources there. And then, you know, go ahead and blame that back on the community as opposed to understanding the structural right. factors. Right. So, I'm sure there are folks out there that are kind of coming to those conclusions, but we did everything we could in the storytelling to help make it really clear why things are the way that they are. Yeah, and you know, it's. I just think it's hard, <laughs> just like if you don't agree with, like there's community members who didn't wanna get the shot um, and Dorothy just kind of charmed the, the pants off of them. Uh, and, and I think, Right, like it's just hard to be upset with Dorothy, and I think you know that kind of translates to, sure to the does. film too. So, so I don't know. We, I guess we haven't had like hostile audiences to test this with, but uh, <laughs> but I think I think you might walk away and be like, well, I'm not convinced or something if you've got some right. deep seated beliefs. But but I think it's hard to be hard to be angry with her. It's I would say that's probably true. I, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I just thought you might have, I don't know, Q and A's, who knows, emails, random emails, getting some kind of pushback. So Jeremy, is it right to say that politicians need and world leaders need to be more charming? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's gonna, that's gonna uh, get us where we need to go. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Dorothy is charming and she's also 
so rooted in her community and she cares so much about her community and that's genuine and those relationships are genuine. So you put those two things together, I think, then then you've got something. I, I so I don't know if this was near the end of the film or where she says it, but I think it was her anyway. Um, it's it's it, something about it being in my heart. You know, I just th this is it's it's like it was it was stamped. <laughs> it was, you know, and th this is all I can do. How could I not behave otherwise? And I just thought that was so brilliant, and I'm I'm so glad that 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 comes up into the film. Did you did you hope that this was going to be? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to use the phrase an aspirational challenge to 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 leaders or, or is it more about people like myself and this idea of incremental change? I think it's a both and, um, at least for me, I'm curious what you think, Jeremy. I, you know, I think it's, it's a film that allows each individual to think about like, where do I have power? Where are there relationships mm. that I might be able to leverage to kind of have conversations about whatever topic, to be honest. Um, and then I do think we were also really trying to showcase a model of, right, like this whole film is just about organizing, right? This is what organizing mm. is and what organizing Good. should be looking like. It's it's rooted in relationship. It's having a deep understanding of what your community needs. And then it's then going and advocating for those needs to the people who hold power and who hold resources. And so I think that that model is just kind of, that's transferable across the country as well. And then for elected officials, it's like, how do you actually make sure that the right people, that the Dorothys are at the decision-making table with you to help you navigate things? Because you're never going to know that local community as well as as the Dorothy does. Yeah, Jeremy, love love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it kind of goes. Sorry, I think I think it kind of goes to our our goals for the film as well, right? Like, we really want to first and foremost just to lift up and celebrate, uh, you know an amazing woman like Dorothy and and you know again I think she can she really stands in for so many uh unsung heroes across the mm. country and and so many you know I think black women in particular who who kind of step in to to pick up the pieces left by you know uh lack of resources by the government um and, and so we want to we want to celebrate that we want to inspire people to, you know, talk to their neighbors and family members and and loved ones, uh, and, and that there's real change that can happen on that individual level. And then, of course, yeah, there's these big structural issues as well. Um, and we're pretty early on, but we're we're really excited. We're going to be working with Oxfam to to connect Amazing. this film to, you know, these. How, how do we combat inequality? in a much larger sense? How do we get resources to communities like Panola, Alabama? How do we make sure, as Rachel was saying, that you know, when a bunch of money gets allocated through an infrastructure bill, that it goes to a community like Panola? And, and there's lots of communities in rural Alabama that don't even have proper sewage systems, right? And of course, these are mostly rural Black communities. Um, and so how do we make sure that that money goes first to that before it goes to like lowering water bills a bit in a in a more affluent white neighborhood. Um, so so that's going to be crucial, right? Like we need to we need to deal with the individual level and we sure. need to deal with the systemic. Yeah, so often we kind of get hypnotized a little bit by is it the small change or the big change? Oh, I can't do either. So therefore I'm 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 gonna step away or at least I've worked in international development for almost 20 years and I'm thrilled that you got Oxfam on board. That's amazing news. Congrats on that. And and 
you know, it's this idea of inviting people to the table, but actually, isn't it about Rachel in some ways building another table altogether? Like it's, it's, it's like, we have to kind of start from the ground up, right? There's so many, your comment about power. I mean, it's just something that I never used to think about, you know, growing up in, 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 in the school system and, 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 and the community that I was raised in, I just didn't. And, and now you can't not think about it in a way. And if, 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 if you aren't thinking about it, I think you're morally misbehaving. Is that, can I even say that? <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's right. I think there's ways in which, you know, what we've been doing up to this point clearly isn't working, right? Mm. We continue to see disparities deepen and widen. And so we have to start thinking creatively and differently about how we're tackling these problems. And to me, it really does start with how do we engage those most impacted in helping to make the decisions uh, that impact their lives? And how do we not just engage them in a way that's tokenizing and to your point, just like puts them at the table, but they have no real decision-making power. How do we actually meaningfully give people decision-making power over the issues that impact their lives? It's it's kind of like, it's kind of like include, but embrace as well like genuinely mm-hmm. embrace because if the right mm-hmm. folks aren't at the table, it's just going to be more of the same. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and we, uh, sorry, it just, yeah, go, an go. interesting tangent, but I, I worked on a film. Uh, I don't, God, I don't even know how, how long ago at this point that was actually about international development. Mm. And it was called good fortune. It was on, on POV on PBS. And, and it was, it yeah, but it's, it's also, it's a very similar thing, right? Like, how do you come into a how do you come into a community and not involve the community and and what happens when you don't right it's it's often it's disastrous good. and and so you know this that is amplified when you're talking you know across countries but but it applies you know in the case of panola right like dorothy is going to know what her community needs better than Absolutely. than somebody in the state house in Alabama, right? Like she lives with it every day and she has very concrete ideas about, about the ways that, that uh, resources could get invested into her community. I love, uh, I think it's a slogan, but uh, Dorothy should make up a t-shirt. I ain't stop until the work is done. That's, uh, that's her, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe you can convince <laughs> Oxfam to maybe buy into that as well. Maybe that's their new, uh, their new tagline going into the the next ne- next year. What a pleasure uh, um, getting to know you both. One of the reasons I still do this after so I'm coming up on 600 published interviews and love. I don't know if I can say I've loved every one of them, but but most of them. And it's such a it's such a joy and a pleasure to get to to meet people like yourselves that are telling these incredible but but important stories that that I think are going to reverberate for a long time. And I think there's something so inviting about it being a 16 minute. Um, experience as well. So that's, uh, I think I, and I hope, and I trust that was a, a brilliant choice on your parts. Hey, can you tell us a little bit more about, I'm, I'm hearing lots about the film, the New Yorker and where people can see this and yeah. And Sundance for crying out loud, like what, what else is happening around the Panola project? 
Um, well, I can start off and then Jeremy, please feel free to jump in. So um, during Sundance, the, you know, the film is available through the Sundance platform. If you buy an Explorer Pass, you're able to access any of the short films. Highly recommend all of the ones we've watched so far have been absolutely incredible. So um, you can start there. And then it, the film is still up on the New Yorker site. If you just kind of search for the New Yorker and the Panola Project, you should be able to find it there. We're continuing to kind of apply to film festivals and hopefully go to a additional film festivals in the coming months. We'll be working with Oxfam on this impact campaign, so more to come up around that. And then the last plug I want to make before I let Jeremy talk is we are um, trying to push to get President Biden to award Dorothy a presidential that. medal. <laughs> yeah, so if you watch the film and you love Dorothy as much as, as we all love Dorothy, please uh, sign the petition, add your name so that we can get her some recognition. Um, I just yeah, like this. to say I've already signed the petition. I don't know how much use that's going <laughs> to be, but you. yeah, yeah. Is that change change.org? Is that right? It's on change.org. Okay. We made a little quick link that I'll do a shameless plug of. It's no, please do. Go, go for it. Yeah, so it's bit.ly backslash Dorothy Metal. Uh, will bring you straight to that petition. Uh, but you can also search Dorothy Oliver and change.org. I'm sure it would come up as well. No, that's brilliant. Well, listen, what a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. I wish you uh, all the success with, uh, in the world with this film. I hope everyone gets to see it. And I, you know, what are there? I don't know how many languages there are in the world. Let's hope it gets translated into a few of those. <laughs> thank you. And, thank and, you and, so much. It's been yeah, a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much. We've been talking with uh, Rachel DeCruz and Jeremy Levine today about their beautiful, compelling uh, new film, The Panola Project. Thanks, thanks to you both for joining me. Thank you, David. So I hope you enjoyed that few minutes with that extended conversation with Jeremy Levine and Rachel DeCruz talking about their, again, their beautiful and compelling new film, The Panola Project. Isn't Dorothy wonderful? You've got to dig in a little bit more. Find the article, New Yorker article, and make sure you get to see this film. Uh, search it online. You can see the link in the bio as well and find out more information. And please, uh, if you're enjoying what, what I'm doing here, please leave a, a review on Spotify or iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're Wherever you're listening and also yeah, if you're watching or and or listening on youtube subscribe to youtube leave us uh, give, give us a thumbs up there i'd so appreciate that and continue to uh, show support for us in a very small way it's, it really does mean a whole lot and believe it or not it actually goes a long way thanks so much for joining us on face to face here today with my uh, two wonderful guests jeremy levine and rachel de cruz talking about their uh, again their beautiful have i said that enough? Their beautiful new film, The Panola Project.